Welcome to Mindset for Medical Moms. I'm your host, Courtney Given, fellow medical mom and life coach. I'm here to help you handle everything from doctor's appointments to surgery so you can feel confidence and peace as you navigate the ups and downs of medical motherhood. This podcast will share strategies and real life tools to strengthen your mindset and increase your emotional resilience. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, beautiful medical moms. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're going to talk about comparison, comparing yourself to others, comparing yourself to different versions of yourself, comparing your life and your past and other people's medical conditions. Your brain is a processor. It processes information. And when we are looking around in our world, we're looking in our lives, we're going to make judgments and comparisons naturally. I'm going, I feel like judgment is a little bit of like a negative context, but I don't think that it always is. You could be a very judgmental person, but you can also use your own judgment And sometimes the word judgment has a negative context. So I just want to make sure that you know when I'm saying comparison or judgment, while I think they are a little bit too like different things, two different things, they have some crossover that I want to talk about, but also that they're not inherently negative. Okay. Our brain simply processes information. I think when it becomes negative is what we make it mean when we notice something about someone else. And that's what we're talking about today is when we notice, when we take in information and we see someone who has something or doesn't have something and is different than us, we make it mean something. And what you make it mean is going to impact how you feel. Because that is going to be the thought that you're thinking, creating a feeling that you may or may not want to keep. So we're going to take a look into that. We all judge others naturally. And it just is how we look at other people's lives, right? Like I can just look at someone and be like, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting choice for clothing. That's not what I would wear, right? And I think what happens is the most judgmental people that I've experienced is that we, when you are finding yourself in a place of a lot of judgment, either doing the judging or receiving judgment from someone, or we just all know someone who's just very judgmental of everyone around them, This to me is a sign of lack of differentiation. Like they can't see someone different with them without it meaning something negative. And I think judgment becomes harmful when we think we know better for other people's lives. I'm in this group on Facebook. It's like a maximalist decor group. And it's so fascinating to me because maximalism, I think as a design concept, is so fun But the amount of variations of designs in it has just shown me so much about how unnecessary so much of the judgment I've had towards design is. Like there are people who post things that I really think are so stunning and so beautiful. And there are things that people post that I'm like, that is not cute to me at all. (laughs) But... I look at the comments and hundreds of people agree how incredible it is. So it doesn't matter that I disagree. It just is that like my judgment has no bearing on if that is right or wrong for them. And I think that's the takeaway of when we think about judgment is like you can have your own judgment. You can have your own preferences. You can have your own um, thoughts and opinions about things. And if that thought and opinion is, and this is the better way to live, if there's like, okay, I can tolerate this design thing, but the actual better way, the the good way, the right way is my way. That's how we know we're getting into territory of 
harmful impact. Because the truth is, you don't know what's best for other people. You don't know what they should or should not paint on their walls or buy hundreds of and hang on their walls. And I tell myself that every time I see someone and I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely not my style. It's just been a really great experience to see how unnecessary it is to even have an opinion on other people, people's lives. And I actually tell my clients this all the time. I say, you are an expert on your life. And I think this sometimes comes across funny because my clients hire me to stop being stuck, right? They want to stop feeling overwhelmed. They want to start feeling more confident in making decisions and um, in their self-belief. They are really done with being overwhelmed and they're ready to be empowered by their decision making and taking care of themselves so they can build confidence and feel peace in medical motherhood and in their life. And so as a mindset expert, as someone who works with medical moms, often looking at all the pieces of mindset work, they come to me and I think there's this assumption that because they've hired me to be their coach, that I'm kind of above them, right? We're taught in society that there are hierarchies of authority. And therefore, if you're an expert on something, or if you are a, if I'm hiring a trainer, or if I'm hiring someone to do something for me, that they're like above me in some way. And they, and I think sometimes some of my clients have thought like, oh, she's just going to tell me what to do because she knows what I should do. And it's always so funny when they laugh and they're like, wait, are you serious? You think I'm the expert? I came to you because I'm a mess. And I'm like, but that's literally step one of coaching is seeing that you are your own authority and taking that authority. This is the very first step in emotional responsibility is seeing your own authority that you are responsible for your emotions. You are responsible for the results you want to create in your life. You are responsible for managing your stress levels and taking care of yourself. And we've lived most of our lives thinking that it's other people's responsibility, thinking that they, like our neighbor is to blame for our feelings, our spouse is to blame for our resentment. Like all of those feelings are given to other people and by doing so we give so much of our power away which contributes to feeling stuck and not and so overwhelmed because we don't know what to do because we don't believe we have any power to do anything with and then you might hire a coach thinking okay I just need them to tell me what to do and I'm like we've got to take back all your power we've got to make sure you're not distributing all of your authority to other people and Knowing that you're an expert on your life, that you have the authority to make decisions, helps you have confidence in making a decision that everyone might not agree with, like putting a thousand seashells all over your wall, or there's just some, there's lots of really interesting things in that group. (laughs) Um, You feel confident in designing what you want to design because you know that this is important to you and it doesn't matter what other people think because they don't have a say on your life. They're not the authority on your life. They're not the expert on your life. And I teach you the tools. I coach, right? I come up here every week and I teach concepts and I explain things and I'm really good at it. I'm a really great coach and I know what I'm doing. But having a lot of experience and skill in something doesn't make me an expert on what you should do in your life. And that's what I love about coaching is that it's a way for me to meet you and teach you how to do that for yourself, how to make those decisions in a way that you can learn how to trust yourself. So first we look at authority and then we start building self-trust. Those are like the very two first steps in emotional responsibility. And I'm bringing this up because sometimes when we think about judgment, we are going to be assigning other people responsibility for our feelings. When we're comparing people, we're assigning subconsciously sometimes other people. Like if we compare body types, that's a really common one, right? You see someone who is different size than you. 
bigger boobs, different sized butt, longer legs, different colored hair that you feel like is better. You're going to think that the hair, the boobs, the butt, the body is making you feel something. You think that they are causing you to feel inferior or sad or disappointed or judged or not good enough, but it is not another person that is causing that. It is your thought and what you're making it mean about yourself. And so when we think about emotional responsibility, I want you to really remember through this episode that you are the authority of your life. You can trust yourself and your worth doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't matter how much you weigh. You could be a size two, a size 22. You could be any number on the scale. Your worth never changes. So when we're thinking about um, being less judgmental or comparing ourselves less, I think the benefit for me is that it takes less energy. Like I didn't realize how much I spent judging people and categorizing people and thinking like, oh, they're doing things right. They're doing things wrong. They're doing things right. They're doing things wrong. Uh, until I started not trying not to do it. And I was like, whoa, my brain is back there just going at it. Like, uh, and then being in this design group over the last year or so, or six months, I don't know when I joined it. Um, I've even saw even more layers of like, oh yeah, like I've just had these like in the back of my mind judgments of like, oop, that's bad or that's wrong. And I, I like the shift in myself because I like just noticing how I can make it easier for myself to not believe that I know better than other people. Like if I see a design that I really would never put in my house, I would just be like, oh, wow, good for them. <laughs> that sounded condescending. But like in the most authentic way, I want to be like, wow, like they're doing something that brings them joy. Like look at that person who is doing things for them. And I like to read the comments. I like to see that people are like supporting them and cheering them on and being like, wow, this is so done or this or nicely done or this is so cute and this is so fun like people really encourage them and I'm like see look like you don't have to agree with someone to to encourage them or like them and it's helped me be like oh yeah like who cares it doesn't matter it's like not harming anybody it doesn't impact anybody's uh rights in the in the world like this is not infringing on anybody's um personal rights and to me that's like a boundary I would have but in the grand scheme of things it's helping me notice when I'm spending unnecessary energy trying to categorize people so here's the thing we're always judging though so that's not going to go anywhere it's just something to notice it's something to like maybe take a step back on and I want you to know that if you feel like you are a judgmental person and you just kind of have secretly like trying to ignore it. I think before I was judgmental, but I didn't think that I was because I just was like denying it. Like years ago, I'd just be like, oh, I never, I never judge people. But the truth is sometimes I do. And like, that's what your besties are for, right? Like, it's just how the human brain works. And you're just like, mm, yeah. But again, you have to be willing to know yourself and to be honest with yourself and honesty is a part of that emotional responsibility. So if you are used to being judgmental, you're going to be very hypersensitive to judgment coming your way. You're going to perceive other people's criticism or feedback as judgment, as a measurement of your worth because you're doing that subconsciously or consciously. And when you're doing that, you're not really... Um, giving yourself credit for the things you're doing well or right or good. And it doesn't mean also if you want to become less judgmental that you have to like everybody you meet and be friends with everybody. It just means that you are able to own your worth and not worry constantly that your value is up for grabs just because someone disagrees with how you decorate your house or how you dress or what you wear or how you speak or how you talk or what you drive or any of those things. 
Like your value doesn't change for any of those things. But lots of people around you, whether you realize it or not, are going to have an opinion about those things. Because sometimes I'll just see something like a car color down the street and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so ugly. Who would drive a car like that? But there's someone out there who drives a car like that who thought, oh, this is beautiful. I love it. And so whether we know it or not, people are doing that. And you are able to help not shield yourself per se, but really give yourself a non-caring attitude about that. And I want to start, I've started with this judgment thing because comparison follows this line of thinking of I'm not as good as them. And constantly comparing yourself is not going to serve you well. But it's linked to that desire of like hypersensitivity of being liked, like that you're very hypersensitive to um, judgment. So you're constantly comparing yourself, wondering if you measure up, if you're doing the right thing, if you're saying the right thing, am I doing well? Am I succeeding? Am I um, good? And when you're constantly comparing yourself, it is not going to serve you well because constantly looking outside of yourself for that answer is going to be ever-changing. That target is going to be constantly moving around. Your worth is going to be dragged around because the world is constantly changing. People constantly change. And when you anchor your worth into to the belief that your worth never changes, you're just inherently good, you're inherently 100% whole and loved, it's not always going to be easy to remember or believe. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm allowed to make mistakes, but truly you are allowed to make mistakes and that doesn't change your worth. You're still 100% worthy. You're allowed to make mistakes. So I want to talk about sometimes here are the areas where you might compare yourself. Some of you might be comparing yourself who don't have a medical child and this is painful because you think your life is less than. I spoke with someone once, they just had a really hard time with believing that this was never how my life was supposed to turn out. And they were a bit older and maybe like 50-ish, mid-age, middle-age, is that middle-age? <laughs> um, and they were just like, I really don't feel like this was how my life was supposed to be. And we talked about how those kinds of beliefs, that expectation causes you to compare yourself to all the families who didn't experience what you did and you are only seeing one slice of their life the slice that you're able to see and whether that's on social media or your neighbor or a friend of yours you never really fully get the 100% picture of what it's like to be in their shoes and when you believe that your life is less than Part of you is believing that there's a version of you out there that deserved something different, that should have had a quote unquote better life, easier life, funner life, less stressful life. And all of those things come down to what you're making it mean. How are you interpreting your life when you're comparing it to someone else? And it sounds really uh, kind of like, obvious like people will sometimes the clients I speak with they'll be like okay but their life is better because they don't have to deal with x y and z and my friends that's still a thought that's not a fact if you want to believe it I have no judgment towards you you can believe whatever you want you're an expert on your life I would highly encourage though to get really curious about why you would want to believe that because consistently thinking that other people have better lives than you because you have a medical child or a child with a lot of health conditions or you have an upcoming surgery for that child and you're thinking wow my life would be so much better if I didn't have all of this going on you are only hurting yourself like that thought is so painful and it's getting you absolutely nowhere Like when I think about the people who want to be out of pain, it's when they think that their expectations of their life, um, it's when the expectations of their life come into play. And it's so fascinating to me because it's like you, 
I'll have someone come to me and they're like, I just want to stop feeling so afraid or so upset and so scared and in so much pain because this is not how I thought my life would be. And we work through and when we get to the root that they are believing that life would be so much better if this is not how my life would turn out, right? Life would be so much fill in the blank, easier, funner, less stressful if I this is not how my life was supposed to turn out. That's another one. Like all of those variations is what is causing your pain. And we think that that thought is just explaining our pain. We think that thought is giving us um, a reason to be upset and resentful towards our pain. But it's actually causing that pain that causes you to compare, that causes you to ruminate and sit and dwell and second guess yourself and binge eat and uh, over drink on the weekends and scroll and do all these things that make you feel like you're not living the life you want to live. And all of a sudden years go by and you're like, yeah, my life sucks or this is not where I wanted to be. I wanted it to be different. I'm stressed out and overwhelmed and I want my life to be how I imagined it. And it always will come back to what you're believing about your life. And I also wanted to let you guys know, it's just a good reminder uh, that no one, no one in this world is ever getting a life that included everything they could imagine. Like, even if someone is saying like, like my life right now, um, I will say that I'm very happy. Like I am very content with where my life is. We just live simply pretty much every day to day. Very slow, boring life. We spend almost all of the extra money we have on traveling. And that's it. We come back home and we go to the beach and we just chill a lot (laughs) and I love my life genuinely and yet every day day to day I feel so much expansion of emotions I am genuinely happy I love my family I love the ages that my kids are at and yet the other day they would just not stop screaming at each other and I was feeling so overstimulated. My body was so done. I was just like, okay, get these kids in bed. <laughs> this is exhausting. Having all these kids screaming at you constantly. And I still love my life. Okay. You're not meant to never experience negative emotion. And we think that life would be so much better if we didn't have something. So if it's the medical child, a disabled child, and I want to make sure you guys understand that there is no judgment. I think so often there is um, these small thoughts behind, I say small because they're like these little secret thoughts we may have thought in the past, but we won't allow ourselves to admit it. And if you've ever had the thought, life would be so much better if this hadn't happened to me, if my child didn't have a heart defect or a disability or something in their life that causes you to have negative emotions, you are still 100% worthy. I have no judgment towards you and you shouldn't have judgment towards yourself. So if you're in shame about thinking these things, I want you to know that you're safe and it's okay. It doesn't mean anything about you as a mother. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have this child. It doesn't mean anything except that you're human and we all have had thoughts where we're like, oh my gosh, that's really messed up, but it's not because you're not messed up. It's just how our brains operate and if you're in this place where you're really wishing life would have been different or life should be different, but you're so... um also embarrassed for thinking that or feel guilty or shame filled just know that the very first step is making peace that you've had this thought and to do so you have to figure out what you're making it mean about yourself that you have this thought so and it doesn't mean anything it doesn't have to mean anything doesn't it's not good nor bad it just is you have a thought who cares 
Like literally let the thought come in and be like, oh, there's that thought again. Interesting how it wants to keep coming in. When you are believing that your life should be different, we think that there are other people out there that just get everything they want, that have everything that they want happen to them. And that's just not true. And in my life, I grew up extremely poor. Like I was in a lot of poverty as a child. So much so that the more stable we get, Jeff and I um, got married very young, had babies really fast and went to college way later. So we, we were both in school with two, with one, two and three kids. It took me 10 years to get my bachelor's degree because I kept taking breaks to have babies. And um, now that we're in a place where we are a bit more financially stable and we're not students, it's only been three years since I graduated college. And now that we're in that place where we are saving money and being a little bit more financially stable, it's so crazy to me how much, how I did not realize, I'm kind of going all over the place. I did not realize how poor I was until I am have been in a stable position for the first time in my whole life, right? Like we were fine through college. We were making it work, but we did not have a lot of money and we just pinched all of our pennies and we traveled anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> And so we now are at the point where we're like okay what are our five-year goals like maybe in five years we want to buy a house we want to save money we want we have a bunch of trips we want to do with our kids and make memories and I just had no idea how much my life how hard my life was growing up and we will all go through that there's going to be really hard parts of your life and there's going to be parts of your childhood that you're going to be like I should have never went through that And most likely you're right. And I wish you wouldn't have. Like there's so much abuse that I experienced. I wish I would have never gone through. But I did. And when you're comparing yourself and comparing your life, um, if you're like me, I had a very hard childhood. And I grew up very poor. And my parents are, were very neglectful. And um, I was homeless as a teenager I at 14 I had nowhere to live so I lived with friends and families I babysat for and it was a very stressful time in my life and for a long time when I was 18 and I was living on my own I believed in my soul that I had put in the work that I had done my due diligence I karma was going to fulfill my life like I was just like okay Now that I've gone through this shitty phase, I'm an adult, I'm going to get my crap together, and I'm going to never have anything bad happen to me again. (laughs) Some part of me genuinely felt like I just would never have to endure a negative, hard thing. And then I had a baby with half a heart. And obviously, I had lots of hard things happen to me day to day, but The next big thing that happened to me was Zola's heart. And I felt personally attacked by the universe. Like I was taking it so personally that this happened to me. And I was like, holy shit, why does the universe hate me? Am I cursed? Does just bad things follow me constantly? Why does my life have to be so hard all the time? Like, what is going on? Why can't I have something let up? And then part of me was also like, of course this happens to us because we don't get anything good. We don't deserve good things. We're not supposed to have a life of ease and comfort and fun and nice things. Like, both of those voices were warring inside of me. And I was in a ton of comparison when I was first had Zola. I had so much shame about it so much self-judgment and self-loathing. It brought up all of these childhood triggers of trauma from my childhood. And it was a hard place to be emotionally. And that's why I found coaching because I was a mess. I was so overwhelmed and stuck. I was so upset. And it really 
came down to my life would have been so much better if none of that childhood stuff had happened to me. If my kid hadn't been born with half a heart, I just kept thinking, why did this happen to me? Why did this have to happen to me? And on the surface, it feels validating. It feels like you're consoling yourself and comforting yourself. But unfortunately, it's not. It doesn't do you any good to keep asking yourself that question. Because you're just going to keep comparing yourself to other people who don't have this, thinking that their life is better. And the best thing that ever happened to me, the biggest difference in my life is believing that my version of motherhood, the way I have kids with a health condition and some people don't, is not a lesser version of life. I don't have the generic brand of my life. I don't have generic brand of motherhood. I have real motherhood and I have a real life and every one of you do too. This is a legitimate version of motherhood. There are legitimate versions of life where really hard things happen to you and you're not entitled to a healthy child, which you should go listen to that episode. Healthy baby entitlement is one of my most popular episodes because of this reason. And this kind of comparison is one of the hardest to, I think, recognize because we're really focused on self-pity. And what really is there is that we just want someone to see our pain. We just want someone to say, hey, it is really hard and I see what you're going through. And I just kept telling myself that, like, can't anyone see how hard this is? And everyone could, I think, but no one was feeling sorry for me. And that's what I wanted. I really wanted people to be like, I know this is so sad and we're going to fix it, but no one could fix it. And so I was just kind of stuck in this loop. And what got me out, my friends, is taking emotional responsibility for myself. It is the freaking hardest thing to swallow and still is. There are some times where I am like, come on, really? I have to do this. I have to feel all of these really awful feelings to heal my childhood trauma. Like I have to feel these things. I have to tell myself that I'm worthy all the time. I have to exercise to give myself dopamine. Like all of these things I have to do because I'm an adult and I'm the one that's responsible for myself. This is a scam. (laughs) Adulthood is a scam. But at the end of the day, it really is worth all of the work. And I hopefully did not make that sound like the non the opposite that it's not worth it but it really is because I was so far on the other side that now I can laugh about it I would not have been able to laugh about it six and a half years ago it was very hard but I am so grateful that I found those tools to stop comparing myself to people who didn't have medical kids and to take responsibility for my feelings and the expectations that I had on my life um the, no- the next area where I can see lots of medical moms compare themselves to are people who are maybe have the same or similar uh, medical condition as your child. And maybe they're just a little bit farther out than you, right? Like maybe your child has HLHS like Zola does and um, Zola has had a completed Fontan and your child is at their Glen. Or maybe just about to get the Norwood. Or you're in inner stage waiting. Or you're past the Glen and you're getting the Fontan next summer. This is a really easy time for you to fall into comparison. Where you want to be like, well, what did Courtney do exactly? How did she do everything? What exactly happened with Zola? And to me, this is not bad. Okay. Lots of people message me every day asking for tips and stuff. Please do it. I'm always here to answer questions like that. I'm happy to tell you what helped me during Fontan, Glen, or Norwood. Um, but what happens is you want to focus on the other people so much that you stop asking yourself what you know about your child and what you can do for yourself. You start looking outside of yourself for the answers. And I'm not talking about like a packing list. I'm talking about like, um, at the end of the day, you're going to be needing to practice the skills 
to help yourself stay grounded in the hospital, which means you need to start practicing those now. And instead of doing that, you're going to be in a Facebook group saying, what is the thing that helped you the most while in Fontan? And people are going to be like uh, giving you a packing list and the packing list is fine. But what really is going to help you is being able to be okay with feeling out of control, feeling sad and hopeful, feeling afraid and happy that your kid is getting this surgery that's going to help them live their life. Um, I have an episode also called preparing for my daughter's surgery that I kind of outlined how I was preparing for it. And it was very much along those same lines. Um, like another way to do that is that if you're in like a hard stage of whatever your child's medical condition is and someone ahead of you is in a more stable position because of a surgery or a procedure that followed, um, you might catch yourself saying like, oh, if we were only at that point in our journey, it would be so much better, so much easier, so much nicer. I wouldn't feel so stressed out. And you guys, this isn't true. This is not true. I caught myself saying this before the Fontan and it's so wild that it was almost two years ago. August 16th will be our two-year Fontan anniversary. I remember thinking, we just got to get to the Fontan. We just got to get to the Fontan. And I don't necessarily think that thought is negative or anything. It wasn't harmful. But I do look back and think like, oh, I was thinking that because once we get to the Fontan, I thought like I would feel this like immediate relief, this um, sense of accomplishment. And I did. Like I, it wasn't that I didn't feel those things. But it also didn't last for very long, like, because as soon as we were done, I was like, oh, there's nothing else. There's no guiding light ahead of me. Like, there's no plan. It's just like walking like, oh, there's nothing. I think I compared it to like, the first and second surgeries are like a bridge that I'm walking over. And it's really shaky. Sometimes it stalls. Sometimes I can barely take a step, the rickety bridge over this huge tavern. And it feels like any chance I could fall. And then I get over to the other side of the bridge to get to the Fontan. We're finally finished with the Fontan. And then the other side of the this gorge is flat land, but I can't see anything. It's completely foggy. Like, And we're just walking through the fog one step at a time because there is no future way of knowing what comes next and um that's why when you keep thinking like oh if we could just get to this surgery it will be okay if we could just get to this milestone it will work out if we can just get to this thing what happens is your brain is putting all of your peace and contentment into a circumstance that will not give you those things because that's not where your feelings come from you're pushing those farther and farther out like that uh finish line gets pushed again and again and again and you tease yourself with stability you tease yourself with feeling peace you tease yourself with all these emotions and it's like okay here's your carrot of groundedness and you're allowed to feel calm and grounded when you get to finish this next um surgery and then it comes and you're like, oh, wait, I guess it's the next one. But it's all based on this idea that your surgeries, your procedures, your milestones, your growth, that's all going to create your feelings. But it doesn't. None of those things are creating your feelings. Your thoughts are about those surgeries. And I guarantee that when you get to every single one, you're going to have both, oh, I'm so relieved. And oh, wait, there's risks with this one too. And there's all these things that I didn't know I'd feel. And I feel relief, but also I feel a little bit scared now that the neck, there's all these new things I have to worry about. There's never going to be a time where you're just like, oh, everything's fine and I don't have to worry about anything. It doesn't work like that. But what you can do for yourself right now is stop comparing yourself to the future. Stop comparing yourself to future you, future uh, milestones that your child needs to complete for you to feel better. It's a lot of pressure on them. It's a lot of pressure on you. Stop comparing yourself to other people and just learn from them. Take their experience in stride. There are lots of people out there sharing their experiences that are so helpful and inspiring. And I think it's really important to have that community, to look at people's stories and journeys and look at how they're experiencing things and witness their pain and their joy 
and cheer them on along the way. And I think that that's important to have. And it's a learning experience, right? It's a, okay, this is what they've shared. This is how they've helped save their posts. Not just mine. I'm just saying that there's like a huge community out there for medical moms. And do your research, read books, read articles, read those things that will help you and know that those things are still not going to matter as much as you looking inward and checking in on what you're currently thinking and believing about yourself and your level of happiness that you can have in your life and what you're gatekeeping from yourself right now because you're not at that next stage of life. Don't gatekeep emotional safety because you're not at a specific milestone in your medical mother journey. Don't gatekeep joy. Don't gatekeep peace. Don't gatekeep calmness or less stress. It's not going to go away when you get to the Fontan. It's not going to go away when you get to the next surgery or next exam. It's a continual uh, practice that you have to do. Practice. (laughs) It's a practice that you have to practice. Go figure. Okay. Um, The next thing that you might be doing is comparing yourself to people achieving things and make it mean something about you that's negative. Um, I think with medical moms, especially when you have a child who needs a lot of medical care, you will put a lot of things on pause or you will cut back from some of your goals, right? Maybe you had a goal to do this whole like career trajectory um trajectory and maybe you cut back on that maybe you're like oh I'm not going to actually work towards this promotion or maybe I'm going to pause a specific project I wanted to work on so that I can take care of my child's surgery or this six months of you know Glenn and Fontan or or Norwood and Fontan section uh and you might be seeing people in a different phase of life than you, medical moms and non-medical moms alike, and be like, oh, I'm so behind. I am so behind. Because look at all the success they're having. Look at all the things they're able to do. And I am so behind. I have to make up for so much time. And these are so sneaky, my friends. These are thoughts. These are not facts. And if you've had the thought, oh my gosh, I'm so behind everyone else because I had to take six months off to get my kid through the first two surgeries of their life, or I took a year off to travel to a different state so that I could get my kid all the treatments they need, and now we're back home and I don't know what to do with myself because I feel so behind, start with that belief, that thought, I am so behind. It is not a fact. It is not a fact. Behind what and behind who and who cares and why? Like when we get down to the nitty gritty, there is no race. There is no grand scheme of things in the world where we are trying to prove ourselves to someone. Like who are you trying to tell that you're behind? Who's going to come and check up on you and say, well, you're really behind schedule. Like you are not behind And thinking that thought is causing you to feel pressure and urgency. It's causing you to feel um, antsy where you really need to like step up your game. You might try to be trying to accomplish a lot of things really fast and overwhelm yourself. You might be burnt out because you've been trying to juggle too much because you believe you're behind and that's the only way to make up for it. It brings up good stuff to look at. Thinking about where you feel behind will tell you exactly where to start your work. And if you want help with that, you know that is exactly what I help moms do. Um, Right along with this one is you might be comparing yourself to past versions of you. And this is something that I just actually realized I was doing. And I, it's been kind of revelatory to me because... I was kept comparing myself to um, 
both in good and bad ways. You can compare past versions of yourself in positive ways, I think, to see how far you've come and like just see your growth and celebrate the victories and the strength and the things you've learned. And I think there's always a really important space for that. But also comparing yourself to your past can be a negative impact because you might be thinking that you should be doing exactly what and how your past self does things. Like, 20-year-old you did not have the same responsibilities and yet you compare yourself physically to 20-year-old you, mentally, emotionally, like maybe 25-year-old you, you're comparing yourself to like how organized they were or how they ate or how often they worked out or all of those things. Like I am in the process of losing 30 pounds and I kept thinking about my past self who ate a lot of homemade food. I was really into nutrition. I got a minor in nutrition in my degree. Um, but before that, I thought I was going to go into dietetics. And I was all about the homemade food game. I just made so much homemade food all the time. Everything and anything you can make from scratch, I was doing it. And I was really passionate about it. And I I love that for me then. It served its purpose and I was so joyful. I loved, I still love cooking for people and I still like cooking and baking, but my time is way limited and way different than it was then. And I choose to use my time in a much different capacity. I still like cooking and I still like making things from scratch, but not at the same level as I was then. And I found myself in this journey to lose weight, um, comparing myself to myself then, like, oh, I did it so much better. Like why can't I can, you know, if I can make all of those things from scratch constantly, I can make meal preps for myself now. Like, and I found myself doing that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, let's stop comparing ourselves to our past. First of all, Courtney Gibbon, I used my full name. Um, and you do this without judgment, right? You can be silly with yourself. You can be uh, curious and you can also just know that like your past self is not competing with your present self and your future self is cheering your present self on that's how I think of my versions of myself the past me did the very best they could and the future me is achieving the things I want and is cheering me on and when we're comparing ourselves to our past and we're like oh we just did it so much better we did it so much faster than it just goes back to telling yourself you're not good enough now. And when you believe you're not good enough now, you're not going to put the effort or energy into doing whatever you want to do. And I don't believe that that's helpful. All versions of you are very proud of you and are so happy to see you trying your best today. You are very much trying your best and you're doing a good job. And that's how I started thinking to myself. I said, you know what? Past me is so proud of me for doing everything I did over the last decade. And maybe I don't make as home, much homemade stuff as I did, but what does that mean? Why does that matter? And it maybe for you, it's you exercise more or you organize more or you just, um, I don't know, maybe you looked different or felt different or whatever it is. I think past versions of ourselves are so proud of how much we've endured as medical moms and all the things we've been able to accomplish through that and the kids we're raising. I think past self, our past self is just so thrilled to see us keep going and they're cheering us on too. They're so proud. And when I reminded myself that past me is not in competition with present me, past me is not judging me, Past me is just so glad to see me with all of these dreams of mine coming true, right? There was a point where I wanted three kids and now I have three kids. I've been married for 11 years. Those are big accomplishments. And past me is so proud and past you is so proud. So your past is not in competition with your present self. 
they are cheering you on. They are so proud of you. There's no need to compare yourself to who you were 10 years ago. And this comes up a lot in my coaching practice. It's like, well, I've never done this before. Or I used to do this all the time and now I'm not. Like either way, it doesn't matter. Your your past doesn't have any indication on what you can do right now, today. Who cares if you've never ran a mile in your life? You can learn to run a mile right now. Who cares if you've never been able to lose weight? You could lose weight right now. It doesn't matter. Your past is just proud of you. Your past is cheering you on and your future you has accomplished the thing you want if you want it. I want to end with you knowing that curiosity and compassion are the keys to self-inquiry. When you are curious and when you are genuinely compassionate towards yourself, towards your pain, towards your fear, like as if you would just tend to a small child. I know it hurts to think about this. I know it's sad to feel shame. But guess what? You are not shameful. Right? Like we can talk to ourselves with so much love and compassion and it does not mean it's permissive. It doesn't mean that we're just babying ourselves. It means that we can be kind and expect ourselves and have self-discipline in our life. Sometimes I'll just get very curious with I wonder statements. I wonder why I keep thinking this thought over and over again. Or it's really fascinating to me that I want to believe that my past dictates what I'm able to accomplish today. Or I wonder how I could make this work. I wonder how I would be motivated to plan my meals ahead of time. I wonder how I could get enough water in in the day, right? Like this puts you in the expert seat. This puts you in charge and you can get curious and creative and maybe Google some things and search things and look for inspiration, but just know that you are capable of doing the things you want to do. And comparison continuously will hold you back if you're doing it in a way that is putting you down, trying to measure your value by what you've accomplished or how you fit in in the world. Other people's lives don't take away from your own success. Other people's beauty doesn't take away from your own beauty. Other people's uh, journey doesn't indicate what will happen to you. We can learn from those around us and we can make educated decisions And we're not going to be able to predict everything. There's going to be things that you're not going to like that happen in your life. And it still doesn't mean that you've had a bad life or that your life would be better any other way. All right, my friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. The episode is over, but there's so much more you can get from our Facebook group. Come to the Mindset for Medical Moms Facebook group community at the link in the show notes and discuss all the things about the podcast. Also, you can get coached for free. Come and ask me questions and connect with fellow medical moms. I hope to see you there. Thank you so much. Thank you.